So welcome, everybody, to another edition of Beyond the Cover. I am one of your co-hosts, John Robb, joined here by my always fabulous co-host, Jeff Fares. Jeff, how are you doing? Doing great and staying fabulous. So we got a really cool show for you guys today. Uh, it's an interview that I did. I was able to grab at the last second, which is why Jeff was unable to be on this one. But we are going, I'm, I was interviewing author, she's a debut author, but she's not debuted to people if you know the name, especially from um, 80s movies, is Deborah Goodrich Royce. And she has her debut book out, and it's called Finding Mrs. Ford. Have you seen that one yet, Jeff? I have not. Uh, it's, a, it's a cool little story, and it's uh, set up in New England, and it's kind of an eclectic little town, and she puts together a very, very good good mystery here, so I think that you guys will really uh, find this one interesting. want to remind you, of course, that all of our shows are brought to you by Kensington Books, so make sure you visit kensingtonbooks.com for their new releases and their authors. Uh, so, yeah, so Deborah Goodrich-Royce, Jeff, do you know what two movies, very famously, she was a part of in the 80s, along with being on All My Children? I was going to say she was on All My Children. Uh, right, but w- what it, two movies? Was it April Fool's Day? April Fool's Day was the first one, and what was the second one? That I don't know. She was the girlfriend of... Um, of, oh, what's it, Johnny from the Karate Kid, William, William Zapka is his uh, real name, and just one of the guys. Oh, okay. Do you remember that movie? I never saw it. Yeah, the lead, it's funny, too, because we're the lead character. She's a writer and a journalist, and she thinks that she's being blackballed because she's a girl, so she turns into a guy to try to get this scholarship, and she goes to another school, and that's when everything kind of happens. It was a really cool movie. Um, it was really funny, and so, yeah, she was an actress in that one. Oh, neat. Okay. Yeah. So you might want to, if you have a chance, I would, you know, check it out. It's a, really, it's a really cool, funny movie, and she's the girlfriend of William Zapka, who plays Johnny, of course, in The Karate Kid. You guys all know that. And I'll say one thing. Have you ever checked out that show Cobra Kai on YouTube? Uh, I have not. Do, if you like the Karate Kid movies, especially the first one, it's a really cool show because it puts – um, Johnny and uh, Daniel back together again, and you see them how they are ahead, where Daniel is very successful, and, you know, and he's very well off, and he's a car dealer um, of, like, you know, high-end cars, and William Zapka is not. Uh, he's still kind of stuck in the 80s, doesn't really much know, mo- uh, you know, any of the modern stuff, and he's kind of just like, um, you know, just down on his luck kind of guy that the only thing he has is a Camaro, and he, like, loves that car, and that's about the only thing he has. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So then it kind of comes back, and then the karate thing and the Cobra Kai are all there, and it's really cool. So, But without any further ado, we want to go ahead and let you hear now the interview I did with, Gebra, with Deborah Goodrich-Royce. And again, the book is called Finding Mrs. Ford. So you ready, Jeff? Let's do it. Here we go. Enjoy. So uh, we want to welcome everybody. We are very pleased to be speaking here with author Deborah Goodrich-Royce whose latest, actually, debut book is out, and it is called Finding Mrs. Ford. So, Deborah, we want to thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, and it's my pleasure to be here. So, like I said, this is your debut book, Thriller. comes out on June 25th. Uh, you have some great reviews in it. The one thing that got me 
when I kind of saw it and I was kind of looking at it, I love secrets. Um, <laughs> secrets, I love secrets. I love to know, you know, in the past and then, you know, catching up. But give us a little bit about what you got going on in the book here. Well, it, uh, there are a lot of secrets in this book. It is the story of a woman, Susan Ford, and I purposely refer to her in the title as Mrs. Ford because I find that's kind of an old-fashioned way of saying a person's name, and it is also a concealing way of saying a name. It, it, it doesn't really reveal who that person is. She's not herself. She's Mrs. Somebody Else, if you know what I mean. So I like playing with that from the get-go, and it begins in the summer of 2014 in a beautiful coastal town in New England when the FBI shows up at Mrs. Ford's house to ask her about a man from Iraq, and she says she does not know him. And their response is, well, that's kind of funny because he knows you, and we just picked him up in a car on his way to your house getting off a plane in Boston from Baghdad. So then it goes back to 1979 when she's a young college girl and she meets this kind of crazy wild girl who, uh, called Annie Nelson who convinces her to go get a job at a very questionable disco right on the edge of Detroit. And Susan knows it's a bad idea, but she does it anyway. And in that world... Um, she meets a lot of people, and one of them is this man, Sammy Fakuri, this, this Iraqi man. And that's really the setup of the story. What happened in the summer of 1979? Why is Sammy coming to look for Susan so many years later? And why on earth is she lying about it? Right, and that's kind of, when you kind of read the back of the book and you kind of get that into, you start wondering, all right, you know, what is going on? And the one thing that I thought about, because I, I'm always, when I talk to authors, I always love to know kind of the answer, especially with debut, because it's, it's kind of, what was your passion to get you to the, you know, to, the, to the computer to start typing this? Was it the characters? Was it the plot? Was it something that was just stirring inside your head that you're like, enough's enough, I've got to get it out, and it's got to come out now? That's a really good question. So I think I've been thinking about these characters for a long time, but it was really, I think, in the summer of 2014, it was the moment when everything was going on in Iraq with ISIS, and I had always been intrigued by the Chaldean people. They exist in Detroit. I'm from Detroit. Um, when ISIS was marching into Mosul, it was right in that region of Iraq where the Chaldean people are from. And it was just so interesting to me that this was all coming full circle. And, and that was really the impetus for me for the character of Sammy Fakuri, this, this man. Uh, but more than that, I... I am very intrigued by the concept of a person's identity and these two women and who are we really in life and are we the same person through the entirety of our lives? Do we change under different circumstances? Can we intentionally uh, turn ourselves into uh, fresh new people if we're trying to shake something off from the past? So. All of those concepts of, of identity had been 
percolating in my head for a long while. And now, almost every author will kind of also sit there and say, there's a time when you're writing the book, whether it's kind of in the outline, maybe the beginning, the middle, that the characters really start taking over and they start, you know, start talking to you, where in the middle of the night you almost wake up and, and, you, and you run over and you start typing kind of what you just kind of had in your head. At what point did maybe Susan and Annie really kind of start talking themselves into the story? Boy, that is so true. It, it's, it's really kind of a, a, a magical process because you're absolutely right. You have an idea, and in my case, Susan and Annie are the main ideas, also Sammy. But once you start putting them on the page, they do take over. And if you, if you go with it, really you're given something. So at what point does that happen? So Susan was the character who was primary in my mind from the the beginning. I really wrote the book early on completely from Susan's point of view. And I decided at some point I really needed to get a handle on Annie. And I wasn't really sure how to do that. And it was on a trip to Michigan. I had gone back to Detroit for this really cool thing, um, Cranes, the business publication. They put on this huge gathering called the Detroit Homecoming and it, expats are invited back to Detroit to get involved with this huge revival that's going on in Detroit right now. So I, I went back for the homecoming and I was just driving around and um, went to some old sites from my childhood including, oddly enough, the church I used to go to with my grandmother and for some reason, that was the impetus into Annie. And it doesn't make any sense because she's the wild girl and the crazy girl. Yeah. But for some reason, that rootedness, I put that in her childhood, and it kind of made her make sense to me. Yeah. Uh, now, of course, uh, people might know you from you know, your, your background in, in Hollywood, and you, you, know, you were an actress, and you were in All My Children. You were one of my favorite movies, uh, April Fool's Day, um, of course. And so you, then you kind of left like in 1982, and then you kind of did some things uh, behind the scenes. You were doing some scripts. And kind of writing that way is much different than being an author, because when you're writing a script, you can kind of tell the story of maybe with no dialogue, somebody walking into a church, maybe spitting in the holy water, and you're like, okay, that's an evil guy, but he never said a word. But when you're writing it in a book, how was that challenge for you kind of having to do that transition? That's an excellent question, and you're right. I am really steeped in the movie and film world, steeped in scripts. So I think there was a process I had to go through to, well, first of all, let me say my book is very cinematic, and everyone who reads it says that from the get-go. But I had to make it a little bit less cinematic and particularly because it is a thriller, I had to get 100% into the head of the character and never let you, the reader, see around any corners that she cannot see around. So I think from the beginning I had a little, a little bit more of like that filmmaker's omniscience where it was a bird's eye view looking at what was going on. And um, I've gotten rid of almost all of that at the very, very beginning, the FBI is tailing her through town as she's walking her dogs. Mm-hmm. And 
you know she sees them, she has seen them, but she's kind of distracted, not paying attention. So you're not completely outside of her head, but it's really the only time in the book where you're not 100% in her head. So I think that was something I had to really get focused on, you know, doing it completely as a novel, not as a, a screenplay perspective. Right. And that's one of the, and, and that's always kind of the, the thing that seems to be uh, the struggle is you start looking at it because you know kind of how you want it to see if you're going to direct it because you've been there. You, you've seen how that dynamic is, and 99% of the authors have never had that. So you kind of have an advantage to kind of see a scene first, and then you can kind of create it and make that canvas, you know, how, how you kind of want to do that. But in order to kind of do that, you kind of got to be able to really, I guess, get involved and be emotional uh, with your characters and, you know, doing things that are not something that you would normally do. How difficult was that? And explain a little bit about having to put yourself in those different roles in situations that, of course, you've never been in. Well, that's another... Oh, I don't know if you've ever been in, but let's say you haven't been in. (laughs) No, I haven't. I haven't. The book is fiction. But I think, you know, in a way... When you're acting, let's talk about that first. No matter who you're playing, no matter how bad the character is or how different the character is from you, you have to find a common thread. And, you know, there, there's a certain range of human emotions. And even if you've never killed somebody, let's say, but that's the character you're playing, as an actor, you sit and go as deeply as you can and think about a time that you might have felt completely enraged or jealous or whatever it is that's going on with the character. And then you you conjure that up and and use it. So I think a similar thing happens as a writer. So you're creating a lot of characters in a novel. And, you know, I have characters who are women. I have characters who are men. Obviously, I'm not a man. But you have to be able to write humans and and like i said there's a range of human emotions so i say okay so sammy he's a chaldean man i am not a chaldean man i'm not trying to write a caricature of a chaldean man i've certainly done a lot of research on the chaldean people and it's not a historical book so i'm not trying to tell the entire history of the chaldean people i'm trying to write a real man who has a real range of, of human attributes and emotions, and within that, um, you know, have some, some flavor of, of this type of person I want to portray. Gosh, I hope I did a good job. <laughs> I mean, I think you just have to try to be as real as you can. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other thing, too, and I was raised, I was born and raised in Columbus, Ohio, so I'm Midwest like you're Midwest, mm-hmm. so it's kind of the same thing, but I'm a Michigan fan, let's put it that way, okay, I'm not an Ohio State <laughs> fan, just so you know, I'm on your side of the fence on that one, um, but I, I think back in 1979, and I was nine years old at that time, and Detroit, and when you're in that time frame that you put me in, I put myself back into that time, and I'm like, you know, that's, that setting that you have kind of is a character of its own. How, how long did it kind of take for you to kind of get that right and kind of make it its own character? Well, it was very important to do so. I think Watch Hill in 2014 and Detroit in 1979 
are like characters. They are so steeped in, in completely polar opposite feelings. You go from this gorgeous, sunny seaside to Detroit. At, it's set in the summer in, in Detroit, but I see that as a very dark time. I lived through the 70s. Um, it was a weird time. You know, there was so much going on. The, the economy was so bad. There was the oil embargo. It was after the 60s and all that optimism, you know, uh, all, there was a lot of political upheaval in the early 70s. The president had resigned. It was, it was a period of disillusionment, as I remember it. And then this disco world was kind of this bright, glittering thing at night, but it was, it was kind of flashy and dazzling and artificial. So I tried to conjure all that, that it, it was a world of um, extremes. Okay, yeah, I see. I mean, because I go back to Columbus, and from what it was, you know, back then to what it is now, I mean, it's two totally separate cities. I mean, I love the 80s and all that that was and, you know, the, you know, the decade of excess and everything, and you see that, and that's, that's like the comfort. That's like the apple pie that when you kind of get into that frame. So I love it when authors kind of do that and go back, and that's the part about it, too, when you go back and then you have the secrets and you're like, yeah, it can't run from your past. It's, it's going to kind of <laughs> come forward. So uh, why a thriller, though? Why, for your first kind of book to come out, why a thriller? Well, I am a, a huge Hitchcock fan. I think that's the kind of thriller I like. I like suspense. I like to try to figure out the pieces of a puzzle. Um, so that appeals to me very much. And there, you know, I had some plot points that I wanted to have happen leading up to a big surprise in the story. I had the surprise in my mind, and I wrote it. And when I got an agent, uh, I, um, I started working with Molly Glick at CAA, which is, funnily enough, a big film agency, mainly, but they have a literary department. And she asked me if I would bring it further into the realm of thriller. So there was a, a little bit of restructuring of the plot at that point to add a, some more key elements to just bring it more into the genre. Mm -hmm. So it was there, but it needed some work to get more fully into that genre. Was it more of like a suspense pace than a thriller pace? Yeah, I think about, okay. yes, and it still is, in fact. So the structure of my book I would compare to a roller coaster. There's a jolt at the beginning, you know, just yeah. like when the roller coaster kind of gets loose from its, um, you know, thing holding it back. And it chugs, chugs, chugs up the steep incline. You know that something's coming. You don't know what. And then it hits the top, and the descent is pretty rapid. And then the process is repeated. And I really love that structure. I like the pacing of it. And, and that is exactly what it is now. It always was that structure, but I think there, there's more of a um, – there, there's just more suspense in it now than there was at the beginning. 
And now you're just kind of dipping your toe in, into this world uh, of books, which is a little bit, well, not really. It's a lot different than, I guess, the Hollywood of maybe what you remember. So how is that journey for you so far, kind of getting out and talking to magazines and shows like mine and, and other interviews that I've seen that you do uh, in the literary world? How, how has that kind of been for you? I like this a lot better. I, I feel like, you know, and writing a book, it's, it's much more of me that's there on the page. Uh, I've created each and every one of these characters. I, I like talking about them. It's, it just feels more fulfilling to me in every way, the, the writing journey. I, I think I like it a lot better than acting. <laughs> well, you're the creator Kind of, when you're it, right. you are judge, jury, executioner, the whole tabang in this one. That's right. Look at all that power. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Comes great responsibility. But you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> are, are you going to, is this a series or are you going to do more standalones? What, what did you kind of have in mind um, beyond this book right here? Well, I have written another book and I have a first draft of it and it is not a sequel at all and it's more gothic, oddly. Um, so I guess, I don't know, maybe it's the way my mind thinks. That is a little bit spookier and I would definitely call it a gothic story. It's called Ruby Falls and it, uh, it opens in a cave in Tennessee by the very same name, Ruby Falls, with a little girl by the name of Ruby who's there with her father deep in this cave with a waterfall and the tour guide has clicked off the lights and she is standing there absolutely paralyzed with fear because of the echo of the cave. She can't tell where the waterfall is and the tour guide is, is droning on about how divers have dived down and they've never been able to find the bottom of this water and this little girl is just rigid with fear and her father lets go of her hand. And the lights come on, and he's gone. And that is the beginning of the book. And it is this primal uh, trauma in this little girl's life. And 20 years later, she is an actress. And she's gotten rid of her name, Ruby, which was her middle name. And she goes by Eleanor Russell. And she's been written out of a soap opera in somewhat questionable circumstances. You, the reader, don't really know why she was written out. And she's gone to Europe, and she's met this Englishman, and she's married him spontaneously. She hardly knows him. And they are about to go into the catacombs in Rome, and she has an attack of claustrophobia because of what happened to her as a, in, as a little girl in that cave. And she has to get out of the catacombs in Rome in a panic, and she knows she should tell her new husband about what happened to her as a child but she doesn't. So she begins her marriage as a liar, and she has a lot of secrets, and yeah, maybe secret. her husband is, yeah, more secrets, yeah. but maybe he is not who he appears to be as well, and it's, um, we take it from there. So it's a little bit more uh, like something like Rebecca, that kind of um, okay. a gothic story where, which I saw was one of the influences that you mentioned as Rebecca. One of the stories you mentioned yeah. was a big influence on you. Definitely. Yeah. Isn't, isn't writing now that you've got the first one out, isn't it like getting a tattoo and it's addictive and you need to get another one? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. 
It I is, isn't so. it? Because now you're like, don't have any where else can I go with this? Exactly. Yeah, it's a really great mm-hmm. chapter of life. It's it's very fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the, the, the one thing, it just kind of reminds me, and this is going to be kind of pun intended, it's kind of like when the rail gives way and you just kind of fall. Mm-hmm. You know. But that was April Fool's Day. If no one watched that movie, shame on you, because that's what happened to you. <laughs> it, it certainly did. Yeah. Boy, did it. Whoa. I'm so sorry. I just lost my, my phone just died here, or it just fell. Well, that's okay. Just fell out of the thing. It, yeah, so as long as you can still hear me, I'm all good. Yeah, you there? We're good. Yeah, I'm okay, here. Okay, good. Good, good. So... You're going to go to Thriller Fest, and you're going to be out. And are you doing any other book signing events? I am doing a ton of book signing events. Uh, I am doing things in New York and all over New England and New York State over the course of the summer. I'm doing a bunch of things in Detroit in September, and I'm doing the Harper Springs Festival of the Book, of the book also in September, doing Ohio in October. Miami Book Fair in November. I'm coming to Los Angeles in January. I'm doing something in Malibu uh, through an organization called Creative Visions and setting up some other engagements there. Florida, all kinds of places. Wow, so you're really hitting the circuit, and you're going for quite some time. I mean, a lot of people really don't have, uh, don't really extend out their their tours quite that long. So that's awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's it's fun to talk about the book. Yeah. And a lot of I'm doing a lot of uh book clubs, which I'm really looking forward to because then I'll be able to talk to people who've read the book and that's a very different conversation. Right. I mean, that is yeah, because when you're doing interviews like this, it's you have to be very careful when I ask questions and kind of how you answer them. You mm-hmm. don't want to give things away because it's like it, – because it, there's, there's a lot of twists that go on in here, and right. that's the beauty of it is it just, like you said, the roller coaster. It's like a corkscrew. Right. Right. And you don't want to ruin it for people. No. I, you know, you, you can't spoil it. That's no fun. I mean, you got like 330 pages of just awesomeness, so that's the good part. <laughs> Thank you. So where's the best place for everyone to find you? Your website? Yes, which is my name, DebraGoodrichRoyce.com, and I have all kinds of news and radio interviews and, and written interviews. I have an events uh, part of it that lists all my appearances. I have a way to reach me if you want me to come to your book club or anything else. It's pretty thorough. Nice. And that's great to even visit. A lot, of, a lot of people are Skype, but to literally like, go to the book club and sit there and talk, I mean, that, that's, just, I mean that's just getting out there and getting in it. Yeah. It is, and I'll tell you something. It's, it's with movies, with art, with books, with anything, there's what the creator creates, and then there's the experience of the audience or the reader or the viewer And each person has his or her own experience. And it actually changes the art, if you will, because, I mean, once you put it out there, it it belongs to you, sure, but it also belongs to each and every person, and they might interpret it completely differently. And that's interesting. It's very interesting to hear what people get out of something. Yeah. And and you're going to be on a panel at Thriller Fest, I take it, right? 
I am. That'll be Saturday morning at Thriller Fest on a debut author panel. Oh, you're going to be at the debut author panel. Okay, yeah, we just interviewed, um, Jeff and I, my co-host, we just interviewed, we do the Thriller Radio for the ITW, too, and we just interviewed three uh, debut authors that are going to be on there also, so that's going to oh, be really cool. cool. Yeah, oh, Thriller Fest is a great event. I mean, you're going to love, you're going to love it. It's a great event. Oh, I'm um, so excited. I, are you, stay, are you coming in just for Saturday, or are you staying for longer? Are you going to be involved in any craft fest that goes on? Yeah, I'm going to be sort of in and out, because I live right outside of New York, so it's super easy for me to pop in for things. Oh, cool. Well, if I see you, I'll definitely say hi. I will be around. Uh, I'll be doing panels. I'm a moderator on one, and I know I'm taking pitches. So Thursday's a busy day for me, and Jeff and I are teaching a class. So we're pretty involved in the ITW. So great to have you. And thank you so much for writing the book, Finding Miss, Mrs. Ford. I want to say Miss, and I, and I don't know why. But it's Finding Mrs. Ford, out June 25th. So, Deborah, it has been an absolute pleasure. I want to thank you again so much for coming on and joining us. Um, congratulations on the book. Well, thank you. And the pleasure is mine. Thank you so very much. Thank you. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye.